You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Indeed, Arena, welcome everyone. I am hoping that you are having a great week. If you're not, well, maybe this podcast will cheer you up. I don't know. I don't know what the future's like. I hope this will be funny, informative, enlightening, and other adjectives. Was that an adjective? Verb, doing word, adjective. I just, oh, these are things that don't get stored in my brain. What is happening? What are you doing? Rhetorical questions only. You can answer back, but I won't be able to hear you. I am Alicia, the sometimes silly host of the uh, number one wedding podcast, and I'm very grateful for that mantle. And uh, it's really nice to be hearing so many lovely things. Thank you for your tweets of support, Instagram hearts, likes, whatever the fuck they're called, and uh, your lovely Facebook comments as well. It's always great to have communication with you and uh, see where you're hanging out. We've all got our various loves of different social medias, and uh, Instagram's my current darling, only because I'm lazy. (laughs) I'm not actually, that's actually a lie. I'm not lazy, but when it comes to social media, you can just post a snap, repost someone else's lovely things, and move on. And uh, it's good. It's really good. I have been doing some amazing Bride Chiller graduate interviews, which you'll be hearing in the coming weeks slash months. And uh, if you are planning your wedding and you're getting really close to the date, and if you've got a story to tell, really, I'm looking for Bride Chillers and Groom Chillers. It'd be great to have you both together. Or Bride Chillers and Bride Chillers and Groom Chillers and Groom Chillers. Um, (laughs) That's a lot to say in one word, uh, one sentence. The idea is to tell your story and share your stories. I've had a couple of really more popular episodes where people have given me lots of feedback and that you've sort of said... We want to hear about real weddings. We want to hear about real experiences. And uh, that's great for me because it means I get to interview you and tell your story and share your journey without sounding too wanky. And it's funny, thinking about this, my favorite part of wedding planning when I was reading wedding magazines uh, was the real weddings. I would always like to see what people spend their money on, what people... um, you know, reported back what worked, what didn't work. And look, to be honest, I think wedding magazines have sort of turned into giant advertising catalogs. And if you are newly engaged, and this is not just saying, just listen to my podcast, it's all you need. I'm just saying there are lots of free resources. If you haven't got the coin to be spending money on wedding magazines, buy one or two, yes, have the experience. But I would say they're not really necessary anymore. They're sort of something of the past Wedding magazines don't necessarily float my boat. And I think you can spend your money in better ways. Personal opinion, personal opinion. It's nice to have something to flick through. But really, you know, you get to the first page and you've got to like, you have flick through 48 pages of ads and everything looks the same. Again, I'm not saying don't buy them because, you know, well, maybe the print industry's dead now. But you don't have to buy 50 of them because really they rehash the same shit over and over again. Personal opinion. There it is. Let's head to our very first voicemail. If you are new to the podcast, I like to answer your questions via voicemail. So if you'd like to get in touch, just visit thebridechiller.com, new website, get involved, enjoy it, and uh, leave me a voice message. I aim to make your life easier, help you become a bride chiller and groom chiller and maid chillers. Hello out there to the maid chillers listening and uh, hopefully have a little bit of fun on the way. 
That's what mum's like. We're going to have a little bit of fun on the way. And you're like, oh, fuck off. This is not fun at all. I don't mean it like that. Hopefully I've just, just discounted the fun along the way by saying fuck off. Who have we got first with voicemails? Hi, Alicia. My name is Alex and I'm from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I love, love, love your show. I have been binging on it so much. It gets me through my work day. I listen to it practically eight hours a day at work. It's fantastic. Anyways, I've got some questions for you. Naturally, you would assume that since I'm sending you a voicemail. I was wondering about falling into this brainwashed mentality of having a big white wedding with a fancy dress and the fancy dinner and spending lots and lots of money for a day that is super, super rushed. What we initially wanted to do was have something really, really laid back and kind of non-traditional. We intended to go on a cruise and do the wedding ceremony at sea and then just spend those few days with whoever wanted to come to have a big long party in lieu of a traditional reception. However, I feel that I am getting sucked back into that mentality that I need all of these crazy things. Maybe not crazy to some people, but Anyways, crazy to me and my fiance. I feel like we're getting sucked into this and I don't know how to get out. Help! Some advice on that would be lovely. Okay, I know there's a part two to Alex's question, but I just wanted to talk about this one first. The first part about feeling sucked into a a big machine. And I actually think about this quite a lot, that... I don't want to be part of that machine and it's really conflicting sometimes if I'm giving advice and then I go away and go, ah, have I been sort of hypocritical here by saying one thing and then not the other? And I think when it comes down to feeling like you are creating something that is quote unquote authentic and true to yourself that, and I say it in that tone because a lot of, (laughs) I have to be slightly cynical with this advice because I feel like a lot of wedding magazines and blogs and extracurricular uh, information places will say, plan this beautiful individual unique wedding and it just looks like everyone else's so it's hard I I feel like sometimes I'm in that I don't want to be in that but it's very hard to sometimes avoid giving advice that is like everything else and I don't want to be different for the sake of being different because sometimes that's even more counterproductive so listening to your um, statement Alex it got me sort of thinking about this idea of what it means to be sucked into the the, the big dramas and the machine and the, what you're saying about big white weddings and all this sort of stuff I think what you are organizing about the cruise is is sort of authentic and different and I'm not saying no one's gotten married on a cruise ship before but you've taken an idea to say we don't want just a six hour quick flash in the pan thing which is what ultimately, you know, we go on and on about the day going really quickly. Well, it does because it's really six to eight hours that you spend an enormous amount of time organizing and then it's done. It's over. So if you want to extend the party and celebration and the good times with your peeps, I think the cruise is a really great idea. And I'm a bit jealous. You get to go and drink cocktails for four or five or 10 days or however long you want to extend it for and have that time. So I worry as well that, you know, it's easy to get sucked into that zone and people write and leave me voice messages about being 
a bride chiller and in the next <laughs> sentence go, but I'm really worried about all this stuff. And that's perfectly natural because, you know, planning a wedding is not something we all do every day. It's not really normal. There's a lot to think about and we can get stressed. So I think as long as you're aware of what you want and desire, then you're on the right track, Alex. You're not being sucked in. You're very aware. Congratulations about that. And moving on to my other question, with this cruise being, you know, on a boat for a few days, sailing around the Caribbean. I just want to say I'm available if you do need any extra assistance. That does sound pretty good. We're wondering how to address something with the older population, such as grandparents. We're not entirely sure, and this is going to sound so insensitive, but we're not sure if they'll still be around in a year and a half when it comes time for our wedding. And we don't know if they are still around, if they'll be able to actually join us. Do you have any suggestions on how to address this with older grandparents or aunts and uncles or whatever? I mean, I don't want to go up and ask them, hey, so I know you're doing all right now, but... Oh my God, I have to stop this because I've been giggling so much and it's so mean and naughty of me. But I, my brain immediately went to stand-up comedy Alicia, which she's quite nastier than Alicia you get to know on this nice wedding podcast. But my thought was going, if you're not dead, would you like to come to my wedding? And that's not, I know that's not what you're saying, Alex. And I will say, we when we were planning our wedding, my poppy's in his nineties, and I was delighted. He he certainly lived longer than not what we were expecting. That sounds so awful, but he lived. He was there. He danced. He had a good time. But there was that thing of going, "Gee whiz, you just never know when your time's right." I'm sorry to keep giggling. That's really bad. Okay, Alex, keep going. You know, do you think he'll still be alive in a year and a half? And if so, do you want to come on a cruise? It it, it seems a little awkward. Yeah, I don't know if Tiny Prince or uh, Wedding Paper Divas have an invitation that say, if if you're still alive, if you're planning to still be alive, tick this box. <laughs> so, yeah, any suggestions on that would be great. I know that sounds horrible, but I feel like it's almost kind of necessary to plan for or not. I don't know. Anyways, if you could just maybe give me some advice on that, that would be great. One last thing. You had, in a previous episode, mentioned something about a relationships podcast. I think that is a brilliant idea. So, so smart. I would love to listen to that if you get around to it. Anyways, that's all for me right now, I think. I'm sure I'll get back to you with loads of other questions as I come up with them. So expect your inbox to be bombarded with questions. I hope you don't mind. Thank you for all you do. You're wonderful. And... I think that's it for now. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Alex, you can bombard me anytime that suits you. I loved your question. You made me giggle. I'm sorry. I, I, You were apologizing for sounding mean. I just jumped in and made silly jokes. But I think you know what? It is one of those things that you need to be realistic about. Not everyone is going to live for a long time. I don't know how old these people are that you're talking about. And also, we never know when we're going to drop off the perch say that eloquently so look one of us could not be here let's just tap that little sorry if that deafened you tap the desk there and hope that touching wood would prevent death um here's the thing i think you need to just power ahead as if everyone is alive you need to be 
I suppose aware if you do have elderly relatives, if they are of sound health to be taking a cruise. I don't know what the legalities are in regards to getting a refund. For example, if your grandparents were to say, yes, we'd like to come and then they had health problems or they were unable to take the cruise, what the conditions are on the ticketing, if someone else could purchase the ticket, if they could get a refund, if it's maybe necessary to get insurance prior to purchasing the ticket. This is my serious answer. Uh, I think that's something to look into. And you don't have to say to them, we're looking into insurance because you may cark it. Cark it's a very Australian word. That means cease to exist. But I do think it's worth just doing a little bit of investigation. Again, insurance is something that I am a little iffy on when it comes to wedding stuff. But I think travel insurance, I always we always get travel insurance because you just never know. And I know that you go into car insurance and stuff and people go, it's a ripoff. But I feel like travel insurance when you're going to foreign countries that may not have as good health, as good a healthcare systems that you may have at home, it's always good to cover your ass, pay the extra money. So if Nana, Poppy, Grandma, Grandpa, Moo, Mama, whatever are coming along and uh, there are potential health implications, I think you need to do some research into that. Be alert, but not alarmed is what they say. And just be aware. Information, knowledge is power and it puts you ahead of the game. But you don't necessarily need to say, we're afraid you may may die before the wedding. So we're just covering our asses. I suppose that's not something you need to be telling them because they don't want to hear that shit. But, you know, do what you do is do what you do. <laughs> Alex, thanks. That's been really entertaining. I hope people don't find us, well, me, insensitive. Not necessarily so. Yes, do get in touch. Leave me fun voicemails. I loved, honestly, that just really made me happy. I don't know if that uh, just says a lot about my sense of humor, but I really appreciated that, Alex. And I'm glad that you asked because it is one of those questions, I suppose, that I'm sure people out there are going, I've just got some really old people. Are they going to make it? Who knows? Just grip on it. Of course they'll make it because they're probably old people like free stuff. They like to go to events. They'll hold on for dear life to be able to come along and boast about how gorgeous their grandkids are and great aunts and nieces and nephews and all that sort of stuff. They'll want to be a part of it. And living's pretty good. All right, let's get to the next person. Uh, lovely Mel has left me a pretty chunky message. I'm excited to hear what this is all about. Hi, Alicia. I hope this works. I've tried it before and it really didn't. Um, so I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you so much. Um, you've been awesome. I've been listening to you for over a year now, uh, which is kind of scary. Um, but especially uh, recently, your uh, podcasts on mental health and dealing with uh, anxiety um, have been completely brilliant. Um, and I was interested when you were talking about being um, homesick, having depression when you first came to the UK, because I'm actually living in Canada at the moment, but I'm not from Canada. And I was also uh, seeing mental health professionals uh, because of that, because I just really didn't deal with the transition very well. So it's kind of nice, as always, to know you're not alone. So thank you so much for um, talking about that and making it, you know, something that we talk about, which is, is I think, really important. I'd like to just say a short note to Mel. Thank you for acknowledging that because I know when we were talking uh, to Lindsay Beerer, Dr. Lindsay Beerer, in those episodes, if you haven't heard, there were a couple of weeks ago now, maybe two months ago, we did two episodes on Mondays about 
anxiety, mental health, depression. And I was talking a lot about the transition from moving from the United, well, from Australia to the United Kingdom. And I had thought this was going to be like walking on sunshine, moving to Europe. You know, you get all those ideas. And really, it was hard. And I did suffer from depression and sought counseling. And I really found it a struggle. And I'm happy to talk about it and happy to acknowledge that it wasn't easy street as perhaps we thought it was going to be. And what I particularly found challenging was that Rich was really thriving here and I wasn't. And it wasn't until I started doing this podcast, to be honest, that I felt like I had purpose for being here because I came from Australia where I had quite a good sort of thriving, I don't want to say thriving career, but I had stuff going on. And here I didn't know anyone and I just thought, oh, I'll get a job in TV, it'd be really easy. And it wasn't. So I'm more than happy to share these experiences. And Mel, I'm glad that you, uh, I'm not glad that you had the same sort of struggles moving to Canada, but I'm glad that you sought advice and uh, that you're working through it because it's tricky. Moving countries is hard away from people that you love, living, even not even countries, living across the other side of a country, living away from people, your support networks can be particularly challenging. So anything I can do to be honest and helpful and tell a story, I'm happy to do. Um, so apart from saying thank you and telling you that you're amazing, um, there are a few things that I, I kind of really wanted to say, some kind of uh, tips, I guess, things that I haven't heard you talk about yet, but I think other people might be interested in, and also some kind of dilemmas, I guess. I don't know if that's too strong a word, uh, which I'd be really glad to hear your feedback about. The first one is something really awesome I did recently with my fiance, uh, which I think uh, other people would love, uh, which is that my fiance and I actually made our own wedding rings, um, which sounds like they're going to be made out of hemp or something. They really are not. <laughs> they look like they look like real wedding rings. I promise. Um, there's a great uh, jewelers in in Toronto where I'm living at the moment, um, where you can go along and they kind of show you what to do you start out with like a little strip of gold or whatever metal you choose uh and you sand it and you uh solder it together and then you bash it all out and eventually you end up with something that is genuinely like a proper wedding ring um and it was really really cool uh and it's also kind of a nice way of making that homemade thing which i guess lots of us are trying to do with weddings kind of a bit more permanent um so yeah devil's workshop in toronto was where i did it they were completely awesome uh but i'm sure there's places in other cities too okay this is a brilliant idea and i love that i haven't talked about it before and i love that you've suggested it to me we actually you just made me remember my friend alicia were going to her wedding in late june in the south of france it sounds very fancy. Her, uh, she, she, her and her, she and her mm, grandma, uh, fiance, they went and made their wedding rings. I think it's such a lovely idea. And then you can go, hey, I made that thing. You know, I made it. And I put it on my finger and I'm wearing it forever. It's a great idea. It's a lovely gift too, I think, to each other that you actually go along and fashion it and uh, a nice day out. So thank you, Mel. It's a great suggestion. I have Googled it. There are places all over town. I know in London, there are two or three places that came up in the Googs. And uh, of course, if you're in the States, I'm sure there are options everywhere because that's the sort of forward thinking people you are. Not as many in Australia, but I'm sure they're popping up and uh, have a search. I think it's a fantastic suggestion, Mel. Thank you. Uh, An idea that 
I haven't heard you talking about in the long running discussion of the whole wedding gift issue, uh, but which we're trying out and which we think might be kind of cool. And our guests so far seem to be kind of positive about the idea, um, which is to instead of asking for gifts, uh, we've said because we're going to be moving back to the UK and obviously living in Canada, we haven't seen people properly in a while, uh, we're going to have uh, a calendar at our reception. And we've said we'd like people to just kind of pick an evening or a weekend or whatever, when they'd like to come around to ours for dinner, or we can go out and see a movie or, you know, not something where anyone has to spend a lot of money or do anything fancy, but just a chance to catch up properly, because we know at a wedding, realistically, you're not going to be able to talk to everyone. So uh, we kind of thought that was a cool idea. And so far, our friends and family and stuff seem to be uh, really enthusiastic about it. Um, so it's kind of cool. It's a way of like the gift of your time and your friendship and stuff. That sounds a bit <laughs> weird when I say it out loud. But uh, we wrote a, a funny message and kind of explained the idea and uh, people seem to be to be really on board. Another fantastic idea. This is the Mill Show today because she's smashing it. She is smashing the shit out of it. The calendar idea is lovely. People are always asking about gifts, as you say, and trying to figure out if they don't need stuff, how to then get people on board to either not give them a gift or to then get some money or go on a honeymoon fund. I think these are all lovely ideas, but the calendar is genuinely a fucking great idea. I didn't need to say fuck them, by the way. But it is. That's how strongly I enjoyed that suggestion. Because also, I really believe that we don't spend enough time with each other. And it says she who lives on the other side of the world from most of her friends. But the idea that we don't schedule the time even to see people that we live down the road from, I think this is nice. And if you put it in a calendar at a wedding, then people are absolutely obliged to then come along and enjoy it. Also, I think it's nice if they want to then gift you something just to add on, as they would say in the aerobics industry, we're just going to add on now. We are going to add on an idea that maybe they, if they want to actually give you something, they can shout you a meal. They can take you to a restaurant that night. So everyone gets a lovely meal out and, you know, they've gifted you something. But I agree, gifting time, gifting friends, time with friends together is better than any crock pot or piece of shit toaster that you could ever want the dilemma things uh the first is i we're doing the wedding at uh my parents house we thought initially that was a way to save money i'm not totally sure whether that's going to turn out to be the case uh but we're doing it there and um i have a relatively big family uh and a mother who is wonderful but likes to have things organized and can come across though she really doesn't intend to as a bit domineering and because of that I'm a bit worried about my fiance's family feeling involved um especially his parents it's quite a small family um they already feel have felt sometimes like my family are more dominant or uh, don't involve them when you have, you know, awkward parent dinners and those kinds of things. Um, and I think they are, they are feeling like the, the secondary family, I suppose. I've, I've done what I can think of so far, like I've involved them in all the email chains. My fiance's mum has made a huge amount of bunting and I'm, I'm trying to do that kind of stuff, but I, 
I'm really looking for ways, if you can think of any, to um, to just make them feel like they're not being left out, that they're not secondary in this whole thing, because uh, I think that could definitely lead to friction. It's interesting that Mel has raised this question about in-laws and different personalities. And of course, we know we can't control everyone because that's not humanly possible. But also, I do think as a bride and a groom, groom-groom, bride-bride, All parties in this situation feel obliged, especially when it comes to making everyone feel comfortable. I think we spend a lot of time in life making, well, when you're a good person, maybe people are listening, not thinking this and just step up. No, I'm just saying when sometimes you are in a social situation and you know your own parents, you know how they act. And sometimes you're like, oh, don't say that or just be quiet or settle down or speak up, mum or speak up, dad. So we become hyper aware of situations where you are either embarrassed or you're concerned that people in the same situation that Mel is saying that her in-laws aren't getting a say or they're not stepping up. And to be honest, although we're all adults here, they're the super adults, they're the older adults. And it can be hard when you perhaps, like you said, Mel, you know your mum can be a little domineering and confident and perhaps is good at speaking over people or getting her opinion known. And maybe your partner's parents aren't that way. So it can be really challenging because you want to say, hey, mum, shut up. Or if you can't say that to say, hello, in-laws, maybe you could speak up a little bit more. But it's very challenging to do that in a new situation. Even if you've been together for 10 years, you are dealing with families that have different rules, different ways of talking to each other, different social etiquettes and different, uh, I reckon, I want to say like almost hierarchical structures. And I don't mean that in a, in a dad's the boss, but I just mean that there are different levels of communication and how people react to each other. And it's going to be unique to each family. I will say though, Mel, it is lovely that you're concerned about this, but also mother and father-in-law are adults and, you know, they're people that should be able to step in and make themselves known. Now, maybe I'm I'm not going to make assumptions here that everyone's English. I know English people aren't necessarily as generalizing here, but certainly compared to the Aussies and the Americans that I know aren't as necessarily as easy, easy sort of persuaded to step up and say what they want to say. And that might be a cultural thing for a lot of people. But I do think that if they really want to make a point and get in there, they need to probably do it themselves you could probably have a quiet word to your mum and say, I think you need to step back a little bit because his parents are shy or they're not as outspoken as you and you don't have to make this a negative. You could just say, mum, you are really confident, you're really opinionated, not everyone is good at being that communicative. So I think if you can spin it so it's not hurting your mum's feelings but also you're giving them an opportunity and maybe she just needs to have a little little cheeky tap on the shoulder and say, mum, tonight when we go out, back off or just let them have a bit of a say or I want them to be more involved and and get the family all together. Now, nothing's perfect. You don't have to necessarily have all this group of people together all the time. You just need to put your head down and get through it sometimes. You can't fix years and years of people's, uh, well, I was going to say pre-existing social anxieties and social etiquette issues in one wedding planning adventure. But you can certainly do what you can without it stressing you out. And the the other thing is um, that I am not wearing white. I'm wearing uh, green. I tried on a whole load of white dresses and they all look terrible on me. 
so I'm wearing a dark green dress, which kind of makes some sense if you know that I've got ginger hair. Um, because of that, it was great. It was really cheap. I only paid £100 for it because it's just, you know, standard long bridesmaid's dress. But I am kind of, every time on Facebook and I get, obviously, as I'm sure everyone else listening to this podcast does, all those pop-up ads about white wedding dresses, like who's your photography going to be and all that kind of stuff. In like, like log logically, I know I can wear whatever color I like, but in my head, I have this thing that I'm not going to feel like a bride uh, if I'm not looking like them, which um, on many levels, obviously, I'm not going to be looking like them. Uh, but I was wondering if you could think of any ways I could maybe anything I could do, which would make me maybe look back at those pictures and think, yeah, you look like a bride, even if I am wearing a long dark green dress rather than the big white one thank you so so much for any help or advice that you can give and again thank you so so much for being completely amazing i'm off now to buy some stuff through your amazon link uh so i can uh, pay you back for your awesomeness thank you so much bye well mel thank you i think you have repaid me in repaying me with information and thank you for using my Amazon link. If you don't know what uh, Mel's talking about, I'm an Amazon affiliate, which means when you buy through my link on the website, you don't pay any more money, but Amazon gives me 5% of whatever you purchase. So if you spend, I'm not doing maths, don't do maths because you know I'm going to fuck this up. Anyway, it's a really nice little way to tip of the hat. If you have uh, lots of Amazon purchases coming up, I say, can you use my link? That would be very appreciative. Now, Mel, this is great. I love, I just pictured you straight away with your gorgeous red hair and your green dress. I think it's stunning. And, you know, feeling bridal to me, again, we go back to this idea of what you want to look like, what you feel good in. And this idea that we're all sort of struggling with the societal pressures of what a bride and a groom should look like. And it gives me the shits, to be honest. You should feel beautiful and you shouldn't be feeling that uh, you're obliged to look like someone else or look like something out of a magazine if that's obviously not what you wanted to look like. You've bought this gorgeous green dress, and congratulations on getting it such a good price. Bam. Bridesmaids dresses, girls. Um, I was going to say guys, probably not guys. Look, if you want to wear a dress, guys, I support that as well. But I'm more saying if you are looking for a non-traditional Wedding dress, if you want a different color, bridesmaids dresses are an excellent choice. But Mel, I think maybe adding an accessory that's a little bridal. I'm not big personally on veils only because, well, I don't know. I just think they're a bit old school, but I think veils can look stunning on many people. Flower crown, also very gorgeous. Maybe you want to add some sort of belt or accessory. I think if it's a matter of zhuzhing up what you've got, there are lots of options. But I feel like your dress is already zhuzhed. And if you want to feel bridey, maybe it is adding um, more of a bridal look to it. So, uh, I don't know. There could be a sassy hat. I And that sounds silly. But hats, oh, milliners going along and having something made having a, a different item that is a little bit more instead of a veil you could have some sort of gorgeous pillar pillbox pillbox Jackie Kennedy with a bit of a veil attached to it I don't know these are sort of things that aren't necessarily conventionally bridal but are bridal if you know what I mean I think you seem very in control and organized and we all have slips in the sense of when we are bombarded, literally, as soon as you write engaged on Facebook 
and you click the button, it basically opens the floodgates to everything. And just before I go today, I want to explain something to you. I've done a couple of rounds of Facebook advertising where I've tried to find newly engaged people just to say, hey, here's a podcast. And I don't know if you've ever set up a Facebook ad or if you've ever looked behind the curtain of Facebook. And someone explained this to me, and I'm probably not going to do it justice, but I'm just going to finish this with this bit of empowering information about social media. And I embrace this, but I think you just need to be aware of how they do it. So when you tick the box and you say I'm engaged, you might notice down the right-hand side of Facebook, you get a lot of uh, wedding planning ads. And Facebook target marketing is really sophisticated. I'm I'm not kidding you. I can basically go into Facebook advertising and say, okay, my dream listener is between the ages of, I don't know, 24 and 40. She loves a practical wedding. She might think uh, Amy Schumer's hilarious. She shops at I don't know. I'm making this shit up. Anthropology. That's probably not. You were probably listening going, I don't like any of those things, Alicia. You're wrong. But, you know, you can target to the point where you can, you know, go into the county that you're living in. And that doesn't really help me very much, but it's really specific. So when you are then bombarded with all this stuff, and bombarded is the best way to say it, because it's not just Facebook. Facebook then sell or share our information with a lot of other Facebook partners, which now, of course, is Instagram because they own that. And so you'll see if, you know, Google, clearly they know all your stuff. I used to work for Google. Here's a bit I've never talked about. I did a year at Google in Australia and I learn a lot. It's really interesting. I think probably not best to talk about it on the podcast, but it's very interesting about where these companies um, and how where they get the information and how they use it and how we sort of blindly allow our personal information to go out there and details about our lives to go out there. And I'm not being super paranoid, but I'm also very aware of what you sign up to and also what information you allow them to have to then market to you and then make you feel guilty about not looking or acting a certain way. See, it did have a point to it. My rant had a point. So I think it's a matter of being able to be blinkered a little bit in what your ads you're served and not feel like you necessarily are put into the categories that they're trying to put you into because you don't fit into those categories, my bride chillers and groom chillers. You are your own category. Yet, unfortunately, in these situations, and I'm, I'm, I use it, so I'm not complaining. It's good for my 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 listenership it's good for me to share the word but you know it does mean that sometimes we are put into categories that we don't necessarily belong in that is the end of my rant today that is the end of my show i want to thank you i've really enjoyed this episode i always enjoy i can't remember a show that i didn't enjoy recording but i just thought today's voicemails were really informative fun and i've had a lot of fun i hope you've enjoyed listening to it and uh if you would like to leave me a voicemail Visit thebridechiller.com. Embrace slowly. We're all embracing the new name that will be launching. Save the date will be turning into the Bride Chiller podcast that is coming very soon. Branding is looking particularly sexy. Am I allowed to say that about my own business? Oh, really nice. And I can't wait to start giving away some merch. Lots of competitions are coming. Rich and I will be launching Significant Other, our couples podcast. That is the name of it. I don't know if I've said that before. Very soon. And uh, we're really excited about that. 
Thank you so much for your support. I love you all very much. Until Friday's episode, the Friday Quickie tomorrow, I bid you happy days.